Welcome to the Corporate Legal Ops Consortium podcast, where we dive deep into conversations with technology and legal ops thought leaders from across the ecosystem. This is Clock Talk. I'm your host, Jen McCarran. I'm on the board of directors at Clock, and I lead the Netflix legal operations and technology team. On this episode, we're going back to Las Vegas to the 2023 Clock Global Institute Podcast Lounge. My guest is Justin Felder, Senior Manager of Legal Operations at Indeed.com. We get into things like Austin, Texas, barbecue, and entrepreneurship. The main takeaway I learned from Justin is it's more important in product management to be obsessed with the process than the product. Ironic, but true. If you're someone who loves to innovate, but doesn't have the stomach for entrepreneurship, this episode about entrepreneurship is for you. I hope you enjoy. Justin Felder, welcome to the Clock Talk Podcast Lounge. Thank you. This is our second year doing this and it works. We bring people in and we go, what is the conference like? So you are a few hours in to CGI. Remind us what company you work at. I work for Indeed. Indeed. And what does Indeed do? Indeed helps people get jobs. Indeed it does. Indeed it does. It's the other big job site. I hear LinkedIn's big for that. And and Indeed is Indeed big in like the nonprofit EDU government world? Like what's the market sectors on there? Or is it cross-section everything? It's an open job market and market network actually. And so really anybody who wants to post a job and find a job and Indeed can. And then obviously certain industries use it more than others, but we make ourselves available across industries. Cool. Where is your job based in these United States? I am based in Austin, Texas personally, where our headquarters are also located. Oh, good. Great. You get to eat barbecue, like real barbecue. (laughs) Like the way we can eat tacos in LA all the time. I just stick my hand out my house window, pull it in and there's a taco. (laughs) You get to do that with barbecue. Oh, we have a critical mass of tacos as well. Do you? Yeah. And barbecue. Okay. And the tacos, are they up there? I think so. But I feel like if we were more dedicated to our taco craft in a way that maybe San Antonio or LA were, we could up our game. Yeah. LA is dedicated. Yeah. Even the bad tacos are good. The salads are also great. How are salads down in Austin? I bet they're not that great. I don't think about salad that much. Yeah, see, so there we maybe. go. There we go. <laughs> They're not thinking about salads in Texas. Well, cool. You were at Indeed. What's your role at Indeed? I am a legal operations manager. Yes, you are. That's the consummate title. That's the one. <laughs> I tell everyone that's where the careers are heading. So we're a few hours in and this morning we had some keynotes. It was the morning. How are you making that face? Like, whoa, wasn't expecting that. Well, tell me, what did you walk in expecting? I walked in expecting a different version of what I found, which is inspiration and connection. Yeah. Good conversation and a good chance to just expand my network and learn from really cool people. Yeah. What I was not expecting is the level of energy that I found here. You know, I think of clock. This as a very professional industry and a professional conference having a certain professional vibe, but it is that plus so much more. So your keynote was astounding and inspiring. I love your style. NQ was absolutely incredible. I didn't know what to expect from that, but it was astounding. Thank you for that. And he was astounding. Mm -hmm. I listened backstage, just took in every word and went, whoa, Mm -hmm. this is 
transformation in art form. Mike had it in business form. I had it in you guys. I, I have to tell you a secret form, confession form and showing <laughs> everyone, you know, the dark side of our work is the work and we're all in it. Whether it's Indeed or Netflix or anything, we're changing the way things are done. And it's hard. And I just had to get up there and say, hey, it's hard. <laughs> Don't quit before the miracle. And then I had to lie down after myself because the energy was just so great. That's good. It sounds like a good energy. It's a good energy. And I think you and I were just been doing our introvert thing. Just looking for the recharge. Are you going to recharge somewhere today? Because this energy doesn't stop. At some point, I am already on the low end of my introverted battery, but I'm chugging through the day. We are one morning in and the battery's <laughs> drained. Well, the power nap, may I incite the power nap? Mm. I just did one and it does something to your brain. So I'm on part two now. So you'll be there soon. Hopefully. What is a good power nap? 15 minutes? Yeah, just 15 minutes, darkness, silence, eyes closed, try to get between the thoughts. And then that thing happens, that sleep rhythm happens and boom, you're up a minute later. Yeah. Our topic we're talking about is intrapreneurship inside our legal ops departments or inside an organization. I love this term. I'm an intrapreneur. And entrepreneurs are creating a new business, a new product, a new company, something from scratch, from the ground up. And their customers that they sell to are sort of external to the company. Entrepreneurs, we're innovating, we're creating things, we're blowing things up, maybe bringing ideas to prototype inside of a corporation. That's exactly right. That's it. Do you identify as an entrepreneur? 100%. Yeah. Have you Uh, always? No, this is something I discovered through my long, tortuous journey through legal operations. Oh, uh, at one point, tortuous journey. Yeah. 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 See, there's <laughs> this thing is fascinating. We're all obsessed with it. We're high energy, and it's torturous. What a bunch <laughs> of gluttons we are. Tell me more. Well, there's gluttonous that way. Maybe there's growth in the struggle. At one point, I was growing bored. Honestly, I yeah. didn't know. And it was partially the job I was in at the time. I wasn't finding fulfillment in what I wanted to be doing with a legal operations program. And I was questioning what my career should look like. And I actually went back to business school for a specialized master's degree called a master's of science and technology commercialization, which is a mouthful, but it basically means MBA for entrepreneurs. Rather than training ourselves to lead a fortune 500 company, We are trained to find ideas and technologies and figure out how to validate those and turn that idea into a business. That's literally entrepreneurialism in in a master's. Oh, so you went and got education behind this thing as well. And what I thought I knew going into the program and what I validated throughout the program as an introvert is that I don't have the stomach for entrepreneurship. There is so much risk. There is so much personal responsibility. There's so much you have to embrace the hustle culture, which I'm not terribly fond of. And I knew that wasn't going to be me. But I also knew that there is a world where this knowledge can be helpful for other people. And for me, that was entrepreneurship. That was how can I take everything I'm learning here? How can I take everything I know about what it means to be a successful entrepreneur and help corporate functions do the same thing to succeed and how they innovate. So what are some of those qualities to be a successful entrepreneur that you could name that you're, you kind of, it sounds like you got some new steam in the engine from this perspective and, and perspective on where you fit into the ecosystem of it all. And then you went back in, back inside the corp. What are some of those qualities? Well, I would say from 
a personal level of quality yeah. you have to have is resilience. Uh, yeah. It's tough work and it's so reliant on other people, whether those be your customers or your stakeholders sure. or your partners. It's influence and persuasion work, which can be very taxing. More strategically, when I think of entrepreneurship, the first word that comes to mind is validation. Yeah. It's being able to validate everything you do. It's yes. knowing that something has value before you pursue it yeah. and how you figure out how to do that. It's all very strategic. Yeah, that's how I, that's how I think of entrepreneurialism. It's ideas to prototypes to product and navigating that journey of unknowns with a tool set and figuring that out as you go. And then when you get that MVP, is it a minimum viable product or the right prototype that works on a micro scale? You know, you've got something now yeah. to go take to maybe a wider customer base or a new market or broad markets, whatever it is. And when you talk about scope of markets, I think another word that comes to mind is restraint. Yeah. Uh, because Ooh, say more about that. Yes. This is one of my favorite things to talk about. There is so much compulsion. We talked about it in terms of gold plating. That was the term my professors used. Uh -huh. But you want to take an idea and you want to make it as shiny and pretty as possible. Yeah. You want to plate that thing in gold and make it gilded. But the longer you spend doing that, the longer your market opportunity gets away from you and the more chance your competition has to swing in and just scoop it all up. So the restraint to know when good enough is good enough. Yeah. And the restraint to recognize when an MVP is ready and to not attempt to over-engineer it is critical. And I think it's a trap that a lot of people, entrepreneurs, legal operations professionals, HR, anybody falls into. Funny, we were talking about this on the last podcast with our keynote in Q. He said something about being obsessed with the process and not the product, which is like almost counterintuitive when you talk about commercializing tech products, because you have to be obsessed with this idea of the product. But to go skin that and go a few layers beneath, you have to be obsessed with the idea being valid and validated and the right amount, but not too much. If you're obsessed with the product, you're going to gild it you are. and coat it in gold. Well, you're also going to sell yourself short because yeah. I think the other key piece of the process is the fact that the process never ends. And it never ends, which I think is amazing. Mm -hmm. I actually really, because this thing never ends mm. in life until your little green light goes out and you get the big end. But I find real beauty in that because you can continue to design kind of like you can yourself or in life with new choices or a new feature or you take a feature away. I think to your point of keeping things really pure and of utility to people. Yeah. I think it was from your keynote this morning. I'd written a note about sometimes it was one of the myths of transformation that we were addressing, but sometimes real transformation is about what we don't do. What uh, we don't do. Yeah. And that's what you're saying with mm -hmm. restraint is... Mm -hmm. Having a really pure idea, but not tacking all of this crap onto it. And I've been really guilty of insane roadmaps. You think the volume and the quantity game is going to win. But then when you start putting out mediocre crap mm. or stuff that doesn't move the needle or doesn't impress the stakeholder, the customer group, you're like, wow, I'm spending all day doing crap. <laughs> I mean, it's good crap. We need the NDA generator. I love my NDA generator. But why are we spending all day in crap, putting too many versions in? So we're talking about the traits of entrepreneurs mm -hmm. that you bring in-house in intrapreneurialism. It is resilience. So that's basically being able to take 
a total proverbial punch in the face, <laughs> failure. Over and over again. Over and over again. Or you presented to a group of litigators as if they were a group of marketing people and they're just looking at you like sharks ready to eat you and tear it apart. Right. And then you have to be able to walk out of that room and wipe your tears <laughs> and do it again in the next meeting. Resilience mm-hmm. and restraint, which is what are you saying no to? What else? These are the hottest tips ever (laughs) that every legal ops person listening to this podcast should know. If you're in-house, you are an entrepreneur. You're likely the first one or two of your role coming in. Or if you're not, maybe you're replacing someone that was there. They were the first. Like this whole thing is still so new and they don't get it. So we are carving the path on all these products and solutions and everything. What other traits you got for us that we can soak up on right now? And I'm struggling to come up with the perfect word for it, but I'll choose not to gold plate this. Okay. And I just go with grammatically iffy persuasion. Yeah. Just the art of persuasion and being a persuasive person. And I think it's to your point about legal operations is often hard to define or it lacks yeah. definition and certain business functions just do not understand what we prioritize or what we're even trying to do. So it's our job to be able to explain that and being able to speak a litany of different languages to be able to speak marketing and speak IT and speak Speak, product. Speak finance. And within legal, knowing when you're with litigators Mm. or when you're with IP attorneys Mm. or the product attorneys, and then who on the scale of your stakeholders, when you get to know them, are the most innovative minded in the least because mm-hmm. I shapeshift for those different groups. And so once in a while, I'll get my audience wrong and like the persuasion engine is cranked up to 510 <laughs> horsepower, just like my car. One of my best supporters at Netflix, she's just an innovative thinker. And she would tell me after a minute and a half, stop selling. I got it. And I didn't know how it's just like horsepower. <laughs> vroom, vroom. And then the value and flying robots and lawyers. And she's like, stop selling. So mm-hmm. once in a while, like I have to, like a doll be wound back. What do you do to build skill in the art of persuasion? I think this is storytelling. I think the one word mm-hmm. for it is being able to walk into any meeting, any room, tell a story of what you're here to do, mm-hmm. what you're here to tell them, what you're here to present and how it's going to benefit them and why they should care and then deliver the material in three acts. And then take them through the journey. And at the end, they're like, oh my goodness, I'm bought in. I think it's storytelling. How do you practice that or beef that skill set up? Yeah. And I would, however you choose to to take this, corroborate or steal. (laughs) Storytelling is absolutely integral. I think one of the most important pieces of storytelling that you kind of touched on earlier is knowing your audience and knowing what speaks to them. And one thing that's really, really, really important to me, both in this context and in life and other areas of business is the idea of authentic networking. So that's when you, if you're making connections at a conference like this, actually making meaningful connections and getting to know people, not on a transactional level, but on a real human level, because there's some less scientific magic that happens eventually. And that does tend to lead to better outcomes and better relationships. But I think even from an audience standpoint, It's not kind of creating a persona and knowing like, okay, this is marketing. I need to use these words to convey this point. It's no, it's you really want to authentically understand what their priorities are and how you can help them. And that builds this relationship that's going to 
feed back into itself and help yeah. everyone win when you innovate. So building relationships from a human level and being really authentic and not being full of jargon, not being a <laughs> jargon machine. No yeah. more synergy, you guys, in 2023. No more synergies. <laughs> I'm done with the intersections. We're all stuck at some intersection. You know what happens when you're at an intersection? You don't move. So we need to stop being at the intersection. No, but I like that. Just being human yourself. And for me, it's being very casual and I'm always communicating like it's me. You get the same me, whether I'm talking to the general counsel, the litigators, finance, you on this couch in queue or 1700 people in that room (laughs) earlier. And I work a lot to sound like me and to be me and be comfortable in that and not get overcome by nerves or jargon or start saying the word synergy. Or confluence. Or or confluence. Confluence is another one. And there's another word that I'd like to ban too that we're (laughs) over. Utilize. We don't need to utilize. Okay. syllables. Just Just, use. Just use. Yeah. Just use. I mean, pick up a best-selling novel. No one's utilizing anything (laughs) in the top 100 on the New York Times bestseller list. So. I think it's a really, a joke, but it's an important note that we think we need to sound a certain way. And what I'm hearing from you is we don't. No, you do, but that certain way needs to be authentic. Well, you need to sound authentic, Mm -hmm. but that's authentic to yourself. Right. You hit the nail on the head in one sense of like, that will just help you elevate your own confidence and your own message and what you're trying to do. But I think it's also, uh, people pick up on that. People can really tell when you're dancing around who you are and it can be harder to make a meaningful connection or deal that way. But people really respect you when you're able to bring your authentic self to a conversation. Yeah. So is our homework then for us to go home and be practice who we are? This is like the best homework ever. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that should be a lifelong learning assignment because lifelong lifelong learning learning never stops. Yeah. Uh, It never stops. And building confidence is uh, one of the most fascinating psychological topics I read on a lot because people ask me all the time, how did you do this? How did you build all of that? And I don't know. So now I'm reading up so I can tell them the answer. (laughs) But the answer is a series of thousands and thousands of micro actions you do in your life and you win at it. You read the book, you do the two minute presentation, you go to the gym when you set like goal, you set a goal and you achieve it. And I don't know, do it 10,000 times. Yeah. And maybe you'll feel more confident. That's my formula for today. Hopefully. What about for, we have storytelling, we have restraint. Is there a way to practice restraint? Did you ever have to do something where you beat that muscle up? Yes, to practice. I think it's hard to manufacture that. And then that's why I hesitate to say like our homework for tonight is to go home and be more resilient because it's hard. You can't just read a book. I mean, you could read a book on resilience and try to implement those things, but it's going to come from those tens of thousands of interactions. It's going to come from having the awareness to recognize when you could have been more resilient in that moment or you could have been more authentic or maybe instead of reading off of a cue card, you could have told a story there and that would have been better. So I think it's a lot of self-awareness and just kind of being present. I know I, I practice yoga regularly. I feel like oh, cool. I'm, I'm speaking yoga right now, but... You can speak yoga. I do yoga. <laughs> I'm a vinyasa flower. All right. Good times. You know, training for resilience, I use a lot of physical stuff to train for that. The gym is an important part of that because it wears your body out and you are literally fatiguing a muscle and you're teaching your brain a new communication with that muscle and then you have to take care of it after and 
I find having that kind of a ritual in my life helps me take the punches that come at work. And then you got to take those things, those shifts, those pivots that happen at work. One happened recently that was the same big shocking change that I had happened last year at Netflix. And I just studied my response each time and went, wow, I'm getting better at this. I didn't throw a complete tantrum on the outside. I held it in and was like, this is familiar territory. I've been here before. We've had these big business shifts. We got this. So like you're saying, repetition. Let me ask you this in that situation. Did you recognize the repetition as it was happening or was this a moment of reflection for you? I recognized it as it was happening because it was really, we were in really fat uh, speed and momentum on something at work. And then we just had to slam on the brakes Mm. and go and bring something to a halt and pivot. These happen everywhere. It happens a lot at Netflix. And it was so familiar. And I felt my emotions want to go into this pathway of woe is me as the leader right now. Woe is this team. And then I was like, nope, I'm just not going down that road. There was something so familiar. I was like, let's go left. Because I did that last year and it was just taxing. And uh, I caught it in the moment and went left and said, whatever's best for the business, you guys. And then when I was able to really listen also and everything coming through the wire in that moment, I was able to hear all the positive stuff coming through too that was refortifying like our mission and why we're here and that they believed in me and believed in us. So Hmm. I was like, this is actually good news. It was just like a heavy dumbbell day. It was like leg day. (laughs) But I've been there. It's why we train so that we can have a personal record and lift heavy. Yeah. Well, that and adrenaline and and feeling good about ourselves. But I love the working out metaphor for all of this because a term I probably overuse is muscle memory, especially when we're talking about building resilience. It's building that muscle memory of, oh, I've been here before. I remember what this feels like. And I remember what I should do differently or should do the same, what worked, what didn't. And that's why I love the example that you just gave of like, you had that muscle memory where something in you recognized like, okay, I remember this. Here's what we can do. And here's what element of my messaging and my values I can lean in on. And people recognize that. And and, We as legal ops folks have to be in training all Mm -hmm. the time on these three things. I think you really nailed the three qualities of our roles, what make them so hard, what make them so challenging and rewarding is resilience, is restraint and focusing on what matters. It's storytelling and persuading. And the world is your oyster. Conquer a bunch of these legal departments and big projects. You could do this anywhere. This is not unique to legal. We just have a really fun, particular pedantic (laughs) user group to try to change. And one other thing I would layer into all of that, I completely agree that's way better framing than I could ever do. But this is hard work. This is not what I would expect anybody on day one of legal operations to just be able to say like, I'm going to be that person. We are often dealing with keeping our heads above water first and foremost. We're in survival mode. Everything I'm talking about here is enriching that, but totally understand. Sometimes we do not have the mental bandwidth to enrich. We just need to survive. So I guess I would add as like a bonus quality is grace. Be patient with yourself. Be really patient. My first year at Netflix, I had no time to enrich. I was so inundated listening and building relationships with many people. The gym wasn't in the mix. Ice cream was in the mix. (laughs) And that was fine. And it worked until it didn't. And then I went a different direction. But I gave myself that grace. I moved to Los Angeles on a Friday and I started at Netflix on a Monday. And that's a big shift on the life lived in New York 
on me. So give yourself grace, give yourself rituals that are whatever it is, your version of the gym, whatever that looks like, say no, work on your persuasion. I love these. This is like a hitchhiker's guide to getting going (laughs) in legal ops. And we're all entrepreneurs, Justin. We are. I think you have a stronger stomach than you let on for all this work. Yeah. Thank you. I'm glad someone recognizes it. Yeah. Thank you for coming on the podcast today. This has been a delight. Thanks. That about wraps up this episode. Thank you, Justin, for bringing the Austin, Texas spirit and your entrepreneurship wisdom onto Clock Talk. You can catch this and other episodes of Clock Talk wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. Until next time.